better than this. Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Wednesday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Kyle, I understand it has snowed your way. It has snowed nowhere near as much as it has snowed in other places immediately in my vicinity. We got like an inch and a half. But you made a killer snowman I with that did, inch and a half. I did make a killer snowman. We used chocolate chips for the eyes and the, the buttons. Man. So that was fun. Like that was like a picturesque snowman. I'm going to take it seriously because my wife says, Kyle, I want to take the baby outside and take a picture with a snowman. I'd like you to make a snowman. Oh, snowman you need to make. It's it's the first first career snowman of this girl's life. Like I have to make sure it's as top notch in quality. So I spent a little bit more time on the snowman than I would care to admit. But like you said, I took it seriously. And I thought my product came out pretty good. So that's a picture you'll have for the rest of your life and you'll man, be happy. Yeah. And she cried for when I held her with it. Oh no. She got wow. she got great pictures with mom with with big wondrous eyes and oh the, the whole world in front of her and just just the joy of experiencing the outdoors. And then by the time I got around to holding her for the picture, she was cold and she was ready to go inside. So maybe I'll like oh. Photoshop myself on my wife's body or something so I can <laughs> Have a Hands nice picture cold. of myself holding my kid with my snowman. Didn't snow yeah. down your way though, did it? No, you're. Uh, it might might be a while before I get I get the first snowman uh, pick with uh, my daughter, Chris. I'm guessing no uh, snow in Arizona. Seventy eight degrees and sunny yesterday, uh, gentlemen. Was a blast out suck. here. You suck. You suck. You suck. You suck. All right, Chris. What are we talking about today, man? So we need to rebrand the podcast instead of draft dudes. It's just QB dudes because we somehow just constantly go, oh, there's this there's this quarterback story. Oh, there's that quarterback story. All right, we're doing a quarterback show today. Uh, this is where we it's where we end up every time. So I think I think we should start with the car stuff. Start the car. Ooh. You ever watch What About Bob? Mm mm. Oh my God, Chris! Have you seen What About Bob? We're in a we're in this weird situation where you have seen something oh that both God. Kyle and I have not. I don't know what okay. we do with this, but here we are. Well, I'm I'm going to pretend like somebody listening to the podcast right now has seen What About Bob, and there is a scene towards the end of the movie after Richard Dreyfus has been driven completely crazy by Bill Murray's character, Bob, and they he's driving them somewhere, and he abruptly brings the car to a a halt and he opens the door and he looks at Bill Murray's character and says, get out of the car. And that, that's it. That, that was it. But if you, if you've Is seen that where movie, we're at with the Raiders. Wow. Thank you for saving that moment for me, Kyle. Cause I was <laughs> I really up, nervous yeah, that I was going nowhere. By the way, what about Bob uh, film number 43 on Bravo's a hundred funniest movies, Joe? Yeah. Didn't know neither one of you have seen it. So, so set the table for us, Shu, because I think Kyle and I both have talking points, and there's one that I've kept in my back pocket that I haven't revealed to you guys, and I'm looking forward to sharing. So it feels as if every year since Gruden has gotten to Oakland and then Vegas, we have done this offseason dance 
where we begin to try to convince ourselves that the Raiders are going to move on from Derek Carr and move on to some greener pasture, whether that's trading for a different quarterback or drafting a quarterback in the first round. And and one, it's just never made sense to me. Derek Carr is a better quarterback than I think people give him credit for. And I don't know necessarily if Gruden got back into this game to you know wait th- around for two, three years for a rookie quarterback to develop. So it's never made sense. Well, this year's version, this year's take, on the Derek Carr news was a story that we that we got out of the I think it was the Las Vegas Review Journal like late in the day yesterday on Tuesday that said this multiple NFL sources indicate to me that Derek Carr is a hot commodity and it is expected that multiple teams will pursue him via trade that could lead to the Raiders pursuing Deshaun Watson in a blockbuster trade so now this year's version has Deshaun Watson this came from Vincent I don't know how to pronounce his last name Bonus Snore from the Las Vegas Review Journal, and he puts it out there that the will the Raiders move Derek Carr to acquire Deshaun Watson. So here we go again, another year where we're going to do this song and dance with, oh, are the Raiders going to move on from Derek Carr? And once again, I think it's just it, we're full of it. Joe, ahead, do you want to get this off your chest, whatever this big thing is? No, because I think, it, I think it's more of a transitional point. So, uh, yeah. I like transitional points. It's good to have those in our back pocket. Um, so I think Carr kind of changed the stigma about him a little bit this year with his willingness to throw down the field with some frequency. And, you know, you know, going into a game against Derek Carr, you're not going to get very many opportunities to, to generate turnovers as far as him throwing interceptable passes. Uh, I know he had a dumpster fire game against somebody in which he had like three fumbles lost or, and, uh, the wheels came off the bus, and I just think that he's he is that quarterback that I think is always just going to have a glass ceiling over him as far as playing elite competition, playing potential playoff teams. I think the book on him uh, allows teams to kind of exploit what his tendencies are as a passer that I don't think you're going to be able to transcend unless you have like consistently superhuman effort from your skill players around. And that's kind of just where I feel like Derek Carr is, but that's not really the point of this conversation. The point is, will the Raiders finally move on after teasing this for like four consecutive years? And I don't think so. Uh, I I don't think they, they went out and got a bunch of skill players to kind of revamp the skill players around him. And he played better. He played arguably the best season of his career. So I, I don't think this is something that we have any realistic chance of seeing materialize, especially for the price that we're talking about here. Two ones, get out of here. So my initial reaction to this was, oh, here we go again. Another uh, Gruden's done with Carr and it's nothing's going to happen here. But when it was kind of then pivoted or, or brought up to the, the point of it, potentially meaning that the Raiders could bring back Watson, right? That that could be part of this deal. It led me to think, well, we know that Miami, New York, they have a ton to offer Houston. You think about Carolina, we know they're going to be aggressive if they want to go in on Watson, right? They're going to give up the moon. It just won't be this year. The piece that became interesting to me is – 
if Houston's going to trade away Deshaun Watson, it's going to take a lot, but they're certainly going to want to get back a meaningful quarterback if possible. Well, maybe they don't like Tua or Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater. And that Derek Carr is a quarterback that moves the needle for them. Now, it would be weird, right, with the whole David Carr, Derek Carr situation. But this would signal to me that, all right, well, maybe this moves the needle from the Houston point of view because they might think the highest of Carr than any of the quarterbacks that they could bring back in other deals that, you know, we've talked about or, you know, potentially could be on the table. So the Raiders pick 16? 17, I think. 17. That in itself is a problem, though. Because if you're talking about Carolina, who's twice as high up in the order as they are in this year's draft, uh, Miami at three, the Jets at two, I mean, that that discrepancy between those picks is two first-round picks as far as the pick value from a trade value chart perspective. So, is that difference made up at all in the quarterback that they get back, though? Somewhat. Not if they, you know... I think it's interesting because you, you've listened to John McClain mention this. Aaron Wilson mentioned this. These are people that are really plugged in on the Houston media. Almost every proposed trade package, once it kind of became accepted that this might happen, everybody keeps mentioning defensive stars. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Like nobody's really mentioned a quarterback coming back. They they've said it would need to be three plus ones and two quality defensive stars. That's what I keep hearing. So I think it's interesting where from Houston's perspective, like, do you want two or three so you can draft a quarterback and then you want to turn around and and get defensive starters instead of a quarterback back? I don't know. But I, I think that that has been something that because it's shown up in a couple different places, it started to grab my attention a little bit. Well, the Raiders don't have a whole lot in the way of defensive. No, they have not. <laughs> Players that would move the needle. Uh, not sure how interested they'd be in Cleveland Farrell and Nick Kwiatkowski. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. And um, certainly that that moves me a little off of the idea that, you know, maybe they're not satisfied with, you know, the the filler quarterbacks or the eventual successors. Um, so we'll see, right? I mean, Derek Carr feels like a yearly tradition. We talk about him potentially being on the move and the Raiders looking for an upgrade. I mean, it was Kyler Murray at one point. I mean, we've, it, we, it's, it's all of them. Right. Um, but I think, I think I stand with you in that at the end of the day, I don't expect anything to happen with Derek Carr and the Raiders at quarterback. Especially with so many other pieces moving. Like, that's the proposition where you start asking yourselves, okay, you know, I can trade Derek Carr for X, or I could get, I thought I could get Matt Stafford for a one and a three. I can get Sam Darnold for a late one, early two. I think he's more early two. Adam Schefter said yesterday, potentially a late one. Which would you rather roll the dice on? And it comes back to me, that glass ceiling that's over car 
and what his tendencies will allow the better teams that they face year in and year out, uh, what it allows them to do to exploit some of his tendencies. And like, I'm not trying to give up two ones to, to move Derek Carr. And I think, you know, that would have to be the thing for, for Las Vegas is we would know, we would need to know we would move him and get enough assets to then turn around and parlay it into a bigger move. The, the two teams that are, I guess the three teams, Kyle, that stand out to me in a big way with this discussion. For Carr? For Carr and factoring in Darnold and maybe them not being all in on that possibility because there's three teams that went to the playoffs last year that have to find the new quarterback this year. Washington, mm-hmm. Indianapolis, and probably Chicago. Playoff teams. Yeah. And if you feel like you're there, if you're a competitive team, a playoff contender, does Sam Darnold move the needle for you? And so I think that opens up the idea for other quarterbacks to be on the move. And I think that's a good transitional point into some of the other rumors that came out between, you know, the 49ers and Vikings with, whatever Kyle Shanahan's infatuation seems to be with Kirk Cousins. And, and I mean, I'm sure Kirk Cousins for Jimmy G is not a, that's not a one for one. Like there's going to have no. to be other pieces to that deal. But this, and, this, and that's, what's crazy about that deal in particular, San Francisco would have to give up more yeah. to get Kirk Cousins. At least he's not hurt all the time. I guess. But we, I mean, you want to talk about glass ceilings. We threw Kirk Cousins a parade for winning a playoff game. Last year. <laughs> like literally it was like, yeah. oh my God, he finally did it. Right. Right. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And that's the, that's what we, and I, wins are not a quarterback stat, but the performance in those games has never really jumped out at you. Like his performance against the, in primetime games and playoff games has left you wanting more. So I don't know. That's that's a tough sell for me. That one is at least. If Kirk Cousins is on the move, do you think he has a market beyond San Francisco? No. Yeah, I think it's like the only place he could go. I mean, because who else is going to pick up? The price tag? Yes. Well, I just named three quarter teams that were in the playoffs last year that need to replace their quarterback. He's Imagine not going to go to Chicago. He's not going to go to Washington. Washington. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Indy? What's Indy doing, Kyle? What are they doing? That's a good team. They'll find – They'll find. I think they're probably going to find like the economic value and it's going to work out better for them because they're not going to break the bank or go crazy, but – Dalton? Is that what? Did you just say Andy Dalton's? No, no, no. Okay, Jameis. I think they'll acquire somebody via trade. I think they'll trade for somebody. All right. Well, these. I mean, Jimmy G. We just talked about Kirk Cousins. Talked about Derek Carr, Sam Darnold. I like Darnold. I like Carr. No, riding through your your point of view and perspective of you know the playoff teams that need to find a starting quarterback. This is dicey, man. 
somebody's not going to go into the, the season with what they want. I mean, even New England, man. Like, New England's picking 15. What quarterback? Are they going to go with Mac Jones? Does Mac Jones get to 15? Should should he even be in consideration? Mm. I know Belichick and Saban are like BFFs. So, yeah, you know, look, maybe there's some something to Mac Jones leading Saban to another national championship and, and Belichick maybe saying, yeah, okay, I, I'll, I like that guy. But... <sighs> How much better does that offense get next year if Mac Jones is the quarterback with right. whatever they get at you know, receiver to go with it? I you mean, the Patriots had the least amount of receptions from tight ends last year, like 32. I'll believe that because you could tell me the Patriots were the worst in the league in anything that had to do with passing the football, and I'm going to agree with it. I'm going to say, yeah, that's probably the case. Right. So I, I just real quick pulled up Kirk Cousins' contract. We have about six weeks, Joe, before his 2022 base salary of $35 million becomes fully guaranteed. Wow. Wow. So, have a real hard time (laughs) thinking that anybody other than the Shanahan connection is going to be in on that market. Chris, I thought we had another talking point, but it, it has escaped me. We have the story about the quote-unquote Tannehill effect that we can get into as oh, well. But, yeah. but but real quick here, guys, because I want to ask you this question. Oh, let's Kyle, talk about Ryan Tannehill on the show. Great. You, you kind of touched on this here by saying this. The 49ers would have to give up a good amount to get Kirk Cousins. Because I don't know if the Vikings are necessarily eager to move on from Kirk Cousins. They like doubled down on him like three times. So that being that being said, if you're gonna have to give up assets to get Kirk Cousins, why weren't you more willing to discuss twelve for Matt Stafford? Why weren't you more willing to go down that road? Because right now the price for Sam Darnold looks to be a late first if you ask Schefter. So now the price of of quarterbacks has gone up in the wake of the Stafford trade, and then Watson's going to get traded for a haul this year as well. So why did San Francisco just sit around? Are they comfortable going into next year with Jimmy G? I have a hard time believing that. It doesn't feel like there was the urgency that is necessary considering their situation. My running theory here is they want to be able to jump up in the draft and get a young quarterback. I can't prove that, but it's the only way that I can justify we're going to give up significant value for Kirk Cousins. We're going to put our foot in the ground and say, absolutely not considering number 12 for Matt Stafford. I can't otherwise wrap my head around other than, you know, they have quarterbacks that they have their eyes on that they would like to be a part of their process. And and it's 12 is more valuable in a trade up to go get one of those quarterbacks than to transition to 32 year old Matt Stafford. But that's also extremely risky, right? Because you have to assume that you're able to trade up. You, you have to assume Correct. that you Correct. can do all of this, watch the entire quarterback market. Because, listen, there, there's no timetable on this, but Deshaun, if he's going to get moved, it's probably going to happen before the draft. So Houston's able to draft another quarterback. So there's a timetable on this to where if they, if they hold here and they stick with Jimmy G and they don't do anything and they save their assets for draft day, what if the Jets at two 
you know, Trevor goes one, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields goes two. The other one goes three, four could pick Atlanta could pick Trey Lance. Detroit could pick Trey Lance. Carolina could pick Trey Lance. Denver could pick Trey Lance. You got to move up into that Cincinnati Philly territory. And I don't know if you, if it's immediately, you know, 100% lock that you can get there. So well, it, it's Cincinnati very weird to take that risk. First down. Is that correct, Joe? Cincinnati has never traded down on the first down with this current regime. Never. So it won't be them. Philly needs a lot of help. I don't, I don't see them necessarily getting out of that spot. Somebody, I think what we've come to here is somebody and probably multiple teams are going to be left at the altar after having made overtures to other quarterbacks. There's going to be teams that we know were actively pursuing upgrades and replacements and then have to turn back to the guy that they were trying to replace and be like, hey, mm-hmm. you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that really feels like San Francisco is leading that charge right now. It really does. Because if they're unwilling to move from 12, I don't see how they get Darnold. I don't see how they get Cousins, right? The, those are things that the, the, those that 12 is going to be involved in those talks. San Francisco in their back pocket does have Jimmy G. And did you guys hear George Kittle's comments about Jimmy G the other day? No. Talked about I thought he was a great quarterback and that he believed the team could win a Super Bowl with him, which is well, a strong endorsement. It's a, it's you have to say that you got to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Well, I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but at least there's some type of like something that they can cling to that there's belief in Jimmy G. So f- for them, I think they are the logical team that could scratch and claw away at possibilities, but at the end of the day, just trot Jimmy G back out there. And if he could stay healthy, the team's had success when he can do that. You know what this means we have to do, if you guys are agreeable? some Somewhere in the near future, we need to come up with our own individual like prediction for the starting quarterback for every team. Mm-hmm. And, and then like go back and look at it. And would it be fun? Because like, let's say the Jets take Zach Wilson at two, but he's not the week one starter. Like there has to be some type of caveat to like include. Well, he's, he's not the week one starting quarterback, but we know that he's like identified as their long-term quarterback. So I'm agreeable to this, to, to see how wrong we are. Yes. I say we go individual. Like you have to bring your own to the table, all 32. Yep. Bring your own private list. See what see what we have similar, and I bet you the thing is like what did Shepard say? There could be eighteen quarterbacks on the move. And he said he said I take the over on that. So I'm not going to try to get the over, but I am interested in kind of plotting this out and seeing where it where it lands. You know who San Francisco needs to be real upset with right now for their situ their current situation, the L.A. Rams. So San Francisco this year went six and ten. They're picking 12. And they swept the L.A. Rams this year. If the Rams, who were a better football team this year than San Francisco, had turned the tables and won both of those games, San Francisco would be 4-12. and 12. They'd be picking at 5. Wow. But instead, wow. injury-riddled San Francisco somehow manages to sweep the L.A. Rams this year. <laughs> and pick six and ten and picks twelve. That stings. 
That's right up there with the Panthers win over Washington. So, yeah, I'm on my my favorite site of all time, playoffpredictors.com. And I'm just kind of looking at the standings and, and some of the teams that we're talking about. And I'm toggling like an individual game here, an individual game here, and seeing what the draft order impact is. And they say life's just game inches and so is football. And this draft order pursuit was a game of inches as well. Let's say that. It always is, though, right? Always. It's never teams always every damn year. There's always a few wins where they they're inconsequential at the time, but New York, the, the implications at the end of the day are huge. Rams ruined two two teams draft order positions because they lost to the Jets too. Well, and then you had what last last year the the Giants won a game late in the year. I think it was in Week 17 that stopped them from getting Chase Young. They would have been in the in the in the driver's seat for Chase Young. Yeah, wasn't it? Didn't they play Washington week 17? Yeah, I think like it was something weird. Well, because, yeah, because it would have been a divisional matchup to to end the season. But I think they like they won the game and then that obviously moved them down a spot or two or whatever it was. Well, the Giants won two of their last three. Yeah. The Giants entered week 15 again at home against the Dolphins at uh, they were two and 11. And then they beat the Dolphins in Washington in back-to-back weeks. Oh, no. To get the four wins. And they came yes. with Andrew Thomas instead of so Chase Young. Miami went five and four over the last nine games, and that includes a loss to the Giants? And a loss to the Jets in that stretch, yes. You're kidding me. No. Wow. But they beat the Patriots when the Patriots had to have it. In week 17, yeah. Sick. Awesome. Yeah. Are you ready for some football? The NFL playoffs are in full swing, and Super Bowl Sunday is right around the corner. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Maybe you want to put some cash down on the Chiefs or Bucks in the Super Bowl or take advantage of some of those fun prop bets Check out betonline.ag because they have the best lines in the business. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Do we want to talk about the Tannehill effect, boys? Yeah, I think... It, I- I have a lot of thoughts on the quote-unquote Ryan Tannehill effect because obviously having endured the first seven seasons of Ryan Tannehill in Miami and seeing 
how frustrating he was. And, you know, obviously he goes to Tennessee and he gets into a, a much friendlier environment. And you can make the argument that like he was forged by fire in Miami and a team that never put an offensive line around him, never had a consistent running game around him. The only year in which he had a consistent running game was 2016. And they went 10 and six that year and made the playoffs, but he injured his knee against Arizona and could not finish the season that year. And then for some strange reason, uh, decides not to get surgery on his, structurally compromised ACL and tears his tears his ACL in training camp on a non-contact injury on a scramble drill running up the the far sideline. And then he's out for 2017. And then the wheels have completely fallen off the the bus in Miami because Adam Gase has sapped the team of all its talent because he can't get along with anybody. And the roster is a shell of, Anything that was going to be remotely close to competitive, they were old, expensive, and untalented with a bad offensive line because their resolutions to fixing the offensive line are signing 33-year-old Josh Sitton, who was cut from like his last team or, or was off the roster because he's an old offensive lineman. I think that you had to be able to look at the conditions that Miami put him in. Even going back to when Joe Philbin uh, was the head coach and he first got there, Ryan Tannehill played one year of college quarterback as a starter and was a wide receiver in the heart of his career at Texas A&M. And he gets to the NFL, and let me see if I can find the, the numbers for how often Joe Philbin asked a relatively inexperienced uh, Ryan Tannehill to play superhero and throw the ball 30-plus times a game. So I'll leave my thoughts here for now, Joe. Anything that you have to pick up? Chris, hey, you have anything to pick up? I'm going to see if I can find this stat because I ran the numbers on this. I think the context is so important here. And not only the context of what happened in Miami and the circumstances that Tannehill was under entering the NFL, he was always going to be a a, a late bloomer uh, given his – lack of experience playing quarterback in college, but the context that exists in Tennessee where they have this super dynamic rushing attack led by Derrick Henry and this nice group of skill players around him that really mesh with some of the play action and vertical passing game and yards after catch that are within the structure of what Arthur Smith did offensively there and realize that both contexts of the situations led to the worst of Ryan Tannehill and then the best of Tannehill and that Tannehill was not going to reach this level of play in Miami the way things have been. Chris? I just think, and, and, and let me just, let me, let me pull up the context here because it was a Diana Rossini tweet that, that said that she had been talking to people around the league and that they had been growing concerned about watching their, their quarterbacks leave and go someplace else. And, the obvious default that I went to was the the quarterback for my team in Sam Darnold. And guess what? It followed some of the same trajectory as Tannehill did is who was his coach the last couple of years before he moved on from him. But there's also context of you can't compound a mistake, right? You can't compound, you know, poor play on yourself because then it makes it worse. It makes the hole harder to get out of. So yes, I can understand the fear of watching, you know, a Ryan Tannehill or Sam Darnold or, I don't know, throw throw any other quarterback that could potentially get traded this offseason into the mix. But like 
I think if you think that way, you're doomed to fail as an organization because that means you're unwilling to move off of a position, off of a off of a pick that you made. If you're not willing to admit, hey, this isn't working for us, but we're so scared that it might work someplace else, we're going to try to figure it out even though we don't know what there is to figure out. I just don't know how you have long-term success that way. I just don't know how you do it. It just doesn't seem to work. You also can't you can't criticize things with the benefit of hindsight when nobody cared about it at the time. Nobody right. blinked an eye when the Miami Dolphins traded Ryan Tannehill. Everybody said, oh, this is the best thing for everybody. 30, 30, 31-year-old broken-down yeah. Ryan Tannehill who is battling injuries all over the place in Miami was expensive. They were in a roster dump. You didn't blink an eye then. It's just like Wyatt Teller and the Bills. The Bills traded uh, Wyatt Teller to the Browns, and at the time everyone was like, oh, wow, the Bills were going to uh, cut Wyatt Teller anyway. It's great that they got a couple of day three picks back for him. Well, now Wyatt Teller's blossomed into one of the best guards in the league, and if you didn't have a problem with it at the time, you don't get to criticize it now. So I found the stats. Ryan Tannehill played 52 games under Joe Philbin upon entering the, the league. Uh, as his head coach. And Philbin obviously hired to bring Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers-style passing offense to Miami. So in these 52 games uh, that Ryan Tannehill played to start his career under Joe Philbin, uh, he was asked to attempt 28-plus passes in 47 out of 52 games uh, in that stretch. If you expand that to 30 pass attempts, 41 out of 52 games that he played under Joe Philbin, he was asked to pass the ball 30-plus times. 35-plus times, 29 times out of 52 was 35-plus pass attempts. So they're they're not running the ball. You go to, to 40 times, 14 out of 52. Almost a full season's worth of his first four seasons and the first four games before Joe Philbin got fired. Uh, 40 plus pass attempts in these games. And Ryan Tannehill over that stretch uh, was sacked 35 times, 58 times, 46 times, 45 times. Uh, his, his sack rates were 6.7, 9, 7.2, 7.1. You knew he had some intrinsic feel of the pocket issues, you knew his processor wasn't super quick. You had an offensive coordinator who ran every run play had a cadence of go and every pass play had a cadence of go, go. Like there was so much broken around him and he was this player that you knew you were going to have to make concessions with to develop him. And you never did. And somehow he still managed to be a viable average starting quarterback in Miami. And then the injuries happened that tore him down for two consecutive years. He was injured once he came back in 2018. He had to play through, I think it was a throwing shoulder issue. Uh, Brock Osweiler got a couple starts for Miami in that stretch. He only played in 11 games that year. Uh, And then it was time for the Dolphins to hit reset. It went seven years. You know, you you made two bad coaching hires in that stretch. So if if you're afraid of the Ryan Tannehill effect, look inward at your management of your team and ask yourself if you have the right people in place to build around a quarterback or if you are kind of chasing ghosts, which teams do a lot of uh, as far as uh, trying to acquire the perfect play caller. 
you know, and I'll be really interested to see what Ryan Tannehill looks like without Arthur Smith. And I'll be really interested to see what Arthur Smith looks like without Ryan Tannehill, because one of those two sides, there's a chance either Atlanta ended up chasing the wrong sexy offensive name just because there was success there. Or Ryan Tannehill can thank his career revival to what happened with Arthur Smith. And now Tennessee runs the risk of finding themselves in that toxic uh, pursuit of, of replicating what happened with Arthur Smith. You know, there's, there's so many people want to isolate single variables and point to it's this person's fault or it's that person's fault or this player didn't do what he was supposed to do. There's 11 players on the field for each team. There's endless coaches involved. There's endless decision makers above those coaches. And then there's an owner on top of all of it who most times in the NFL wants to have their opinion heard and their prerogatives carried out as well. This is You can't isolate single variables, especially with quarterbacks. It just can't happen. I think we've been to church. <laughs> I think it's a hell of a way to put it. No, I spent I spent six years, five years with Ryan Tannehill. Every other game I was in and then out. You know, it's like you could see he had it. He had the flashes. And then it was like, man, like this just isn't going to work. Like it's time to move on. And there's no shame in that from Ryan's perspective. Because uh, I remember he had, was it, it Brent Grimes and Miko Grimes, and and you know there, there was this big rift within the front office uh, between you know Joe Philbin wanted to draft Derek Carr to replace him. Uh, that didn't happen. So then you you got to come back and and play like that didn't happen to start the 2015 season or 2014 season and 2015 season. So you had 20 games in which you knew. Man, my head coach just tried to replace me. And that's kind of, we want to put a bow on this whole conversation. We just got done saying there's going to be teams that we know are active in the quarterback market this year that are going to have to turn back to their incumbent and say, keys are yours. (laughs) Nothing personal. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you transcend that if you were already on the fence about that player. That's going to be tough. I don't think there's a whole lot of case study for that working out either. Mm-mm. Are we going to go the whole show without talking about college football video game being back? It feels like feels like we should at least mention it here on the show. Yeah, got excited, and then we found out it's like four years away. So I don't think it's four oh, no. years away. Four it's, years away? No, it's not four it, years away. I think it, Kyle's it, being a little overdramatic here. This was my summer plans. We said we look forward <laughs> to updating you on the progress in the years to come. Okay. Oh, if, if you read the if you read the ESPN story, it appeared as though that it's not coming this year. So, Joe, oh. your summer is not going to be used for that. All right, I'll hold off my my quest for a PS Five. I think next year makes a lot of sense. Next year, next summer, Kyle makes a lot of sense for the the, the Draft Network college football dynasty to to begin. I'm thinking May. I was thinking about May fifteenth would be a good time for that to start up. I'm, I'm going to have to read books again this summer. I'm listening to in my head right now. I can hear it. Uh, the menu screen. Oh, yeah. Double oh, yeah. 14. Da, 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 da. The drum rolls. 
Whenever I played it, I thought it was yeah. like you picked your favorite team and that the fight song played the whole time. Yeah, I mean they rotate through. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay off a bit here that only this is only for the visual uh portion of the program, so you don't really see this. This was in my desk. This is twelve, but I it's in my desk, in my in my Who's in my on office. The cover there? It's an Alabama running back. I believe that is uh Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's on the cover on the cover of this. Wow. It's been that long. Well, no, the, the 14 was the last one. That one has um Denard Robinson. Denard Robinson on it. But this is the one I just have handy. It's just in my office. It's for a PS3. Uh, there was PS3s in 2012. There was. And this one I actually have. I don't even know where the disc is. I think it's in the PlayStation. My Blu-ray reader on my PlayStation is broken, the PS3s. I can't even play this. Wow. I can well, go you get it. You sell it for big bucks, man. I get an Xbox 360 with 14 over here if you want to. This is the only reason to have either of those consoles still, right? It's just to be able to, to fire up that game when you're, when you're I, feeling it. My buddy Jeff, Joe, you know Jeff, he was in my wedding. It was two years ago. I bought this 360 with NCAA 14 and like a couple of the throwaway games for like 100 bucks. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, wait, you got all that for 100 bucks? You, yeah. You can't even get 14 for like less than 80 right now. I know. So, Jeff, I owe you one, brother. Oh, you bought it from Jeff. I bought it from Jeff. Oh, you hate to see it. Oh, he didn't know what he had. He didn't know what he had. It's like it's like Good those storage war shows. They just don't know. They don't know what they have in there. Oh, it's disappointing. So came out like a bandit. It's just but, gonna be it's just gonna be Madden with a college skin on it, and I'm gonna hate it in two years. But you probably. know what? At least for this moment, I can live in a world where there's optimism at the end of the at the end of can't the wait for can't wait for Mutt with just recruiting instead of upgrading cards. Somebody did point out, and I, I don't know where I need to give credit to, and this will be my last thought on the matter, but somebody brought up this would be the perfect game to actually have microtransactions to like help you uh, recruit better because that's actually how real life works. So, yeah, you just buy uh, one minor NCAA violation at a time and, and it helps gives you the competitive edge to seal the deal on those recruiting profiles, huh? McDonald's bags. <laughs> uh, we're done. Okay. Tau Crabs, Joe Marino, Chris, Shuby Schubert. Draft Dudes for today, Wednesday, February 3rd, is in the books. Thank you, always, as always, for listening. We got uh, two more shows this week. We'll be back tomorrow for another episode in the podcast feed. And then tomorrow night, we're on Brinks.tv. Uh, it's what we did on Monday night. So this kind of came together very quickly. So that's why we didn't have too much information to share on Monday. Uh, Brinks.tv, you can watch us on all of our social channels, uh, the Draft Network on Twitter, Periscope, etc., uh, but we're going for an hour and we've partnered with brinks.tv. Uh, we have a guest for tomorrow night. That's, that's going to be lined up at least one guest. It's a 60 minute chat. We go from uh, seven to eight and this whole week for TDN with brinks.tv, we're doing the, uh, the, the super bowl, uh, virtual, uh, media days. So we got two hours of coverage from six to eight covering the big game. So make sure you swing over, check that out uh, on tomorrow night as well. We will remind you uh, when we do tomorrow's show. Uh, 